That was the shot they wanted. They couldn't get something to win another pass. Wow. Jones to Stanley again. Boy, that is a fast break. Well, final score, Duke 68 and Kansas 66. This is the centennial episode of the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. For five seasons, we've had the distinct honor, and we've had a blast talking about our favorite program, players, and coach. AC, if you remember, you came to me back in the summer of 2018 Mm -hmm. with an idea of teaming up on a new podcast. We hadn't even met yet. We were just a couple of message board warriors championing our favorite team. We had the honor of hosting on this very podcast former players, retired Jersey number Hall of Famer yep. for Duke, new recruits, insiders of the program, and quite frankly, and we've said this before, we've had a blast, but we would do this with no listeners. So <laughs> thank you very much for every single one of you. I'm getting chills just talking about it that have followed along with us, joined along the ride. Uh, it's been awesome. I appreciate you guys following us on Twitter, following us on Instagram. Joining AC every week on Twitter Spaces, even during the offseason. Um, doing the brotherhood chug with AC before every game. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously, I want to give a huge shout out to uh, to our sophomore now, mm-hmm. uh, Jack, co-host. who Started out as largest, a guest, bro. Now, runs the largest Duke fans Instagram page, DukeMBB.MBB. Um, it's been a hell of a ride, AC, and, and we're not stopping now. We're just getting started. So, again, everybody that has followed along with us, thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot. But, you know, just an opportunity for us to sit here and chop it up about our favorite team. I mean, what could be better, AC? No, man, absolutely. And it, it's, it's it's really cool the fact that we were able to get something like this started just, you know, from the ground up and just keep it rolling. And not not once. I mean, we haven't wavered, man. That's the coolest thing about it. That's what's made it so fun for me to do it personally. Yeah, I can't speak for anybody else, but it's just been so much fun to be able like to just start it from the beginning. Like <laughs> we were in our little text chain, we were texting, and I sent I sent the link to the the very first episode, man. And like as Jack says, it sounded like we recorded that thing on a potato, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was rough, yeah, man. I, I, but... <laughs> I, I wasn't a gamer or anything, so I had absolutely zero technology. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I went out and bought like a, a eight dollar headset over at GameStop before people were even buying up <laughs> GameStop stock. You you might have driven up the stock, man. Sure, I, def- <laughs> I definitely did. I didn't even but know that they still existed. So just to be able to cover this team and and so many like dude, we have that that just like the entire the the Kobe Bryant podcast we did, man. Just to be able to do that and. And just you know, put our feelings out, and it's just it's been a blast. We appreciate all of the support, and you know, I, I just love that we've been able to do this and keep it going. I, I have so much fun doing it. There's no no sign of this thing stopping. You know what I mean? So it's just like do basketball, do basketball never stops, and this is a five point play podcast. Yeah, it's been awesome, and you know, kind of behind the scenes, you know, the th- the text chain that we have going. Obviously, Jack started as a guest. Um, and, you know, he came on as a guest and we're like, man, that guy knows his stuff. Uh, basically, Stat Boys, how we, we called him early. <laughs> but he's so much more than that. And, and obviously, you know, the guy the guy uh, lives and breathes through basketball. Um, so we're happy to have him on. And, and you know, we've had how many lost podcasts you see? Oh, we my recorded? God. There's, there's um, at least three or four per season. We couldn't bro. even put him on the airways. Like, I mean, just from us ranting to just like, after losses, after you know, there, I mean, just there's there's three or four per season that we just have that just have. We'll have to do a lost episode season one day, man, and just make find a, a do a compilation of some of the best moments of those lost podcasts because oh, it, it just gosh. continues to happen. <laughs> uh, you, you don't even know the half of it, but I mean, even Jack, I and mean, even this year, we've had we've had a couple missed. We've had a couple, and, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, so everybody that's uh, continuing to listen and support, we appreciate it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game Friday night. Uh, against the AC's USC upstate. Yeah. Um, uh, that was just kind of a beatdown from start to finish. I think, you know, real, real quick. Hey, timeout. No, it wasn't. Okay. It, it was wasn't. a beatdown from the under-16 TV timeout to finish. Right. And actually, you know, it's actually funny that you said that because um, I think during our text chain, I even said, you know, Coach K, I believe, would have called a timeout there. You know, regroup mm-hmm. the guys. Shire just kind of let them go. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, 
did you guys pick anything of that at the time? No, I, I actually, I, I agreed. And it was like, the funny thing is, I don't think either decision would have been wrong. I think Kay yeah. would have called a timeout and they would have gotten some things sorted out, but it would have been like, it would have been one of those gradual climbs. Whereas Shire let them play it out. And it was just one of those things that was just like, bam, like this, the, the switch flipped. And the other thing about it is you kind of know if Coach K calls that timeout, what you're getting mm-hmm. on that bench. Jack is coming off, you know, the 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 dry erase board is getting tossed. Um, <laughs> and, and he's lying, uh, in, laying into you with every expletive he has, which is a vast array. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's actually a good point, Jack. But, you know, obviously, uh, first reactions to seeing uh, Derek Lively coming out. We kind of predicted that he would play about 15 minutes. He played 14, mm-hmm. only took two shots, um, made them both a couple of lobs. Um, you know, how, how did you feel kind of seeing him out there? How did you feel like he, he kind of fit in with the squad? I was impressed. Um, you know, obviously those two dunks were pretty big. He performed about how I expected he would, honestly, and uh, I, I'm really excited to see him play against Kansas now. Yeah, I thought offensively we really showed a lot, um, a lot of versatility. But you know, we we kind of just overmatched him, especially down down inside with Paul Filipowski, uh, AC. Are we just going to assume now that he's a double double machine? The guy had fifteen and ten. Uh, I mean, the, the guy's unstoppable, right? <laughs> I mean, he is break, right break now. away, break away, dunks. <laughs> right, like he's he's showing he's showcasing the skill set. He's showcasing the athleticism. A little bit of the handle, some of the stuff he does down low. I mean, you saw that first game. He was having trouble finishing. I made the joke about he's a, he's another Plumlee or whatever because that's one of the things the Plumleys did. If they could, if they didn't dunk, they didn't make the shot. But like where, how he was getting to the rim, there's no doubt about the talent and no doubt about the execution. It was just a matter of can he finish or not. He did a much better job finishing against Upstate. The rebounding has been really good. He's rebounding at such a high rate right now, man, and. Yeah, that's going to dip. Of course, there's going to be a regression when you play better teams. But the things that he's doing to get those rebounds, the positioning, the activity, his athleticism, that that carries, man. All of that carries over against better competition. So it's not just that we were playing upstate that he's doing these things. No, I don't think he's going to average a double-double. But I, I absolutely think he's going he's gonna to be a leader in rebounds for our team, which I was skeptical about in the offseason. And he's going to be, at, at the very least, a, a third option for the squad in most cases. No player uh, played more than 25 minutes with Roach leading the way. He had eight assists and 10 points, six players in double figures. It was pretty even across the board. Thought Mitchell played well again. Grandison mm-hmm. uh, kind of stepped up, uh, you know, with, with 12 points for, for himself and another five rebounds. I'm telling you, Jack, uh, we said it before the season, but Grandison could quietly be like the second or third leading rebounder for this team. That wouldn't shock me given his, his frame, his build. Mm-hmm. His skill set, he's going to be occasionally put at like a small ball four position. So he'll be down low, have the chance. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was one of the top three or four rebounders on the team. Yeah, he's got overall, that skill set. Yeah, I mean, overall, though, um, I, I actually love I, the balance. Can I stop um, for a second? Like, I would, I would yeah. be surprised. I, I would be surprised strictly because of the type of lineups we're going to roll out. Like okay. he's gonna he like the the thing about Grandison he's gonna get those long rebounds right he's gonna get the long rebounds off Michigan we're gonna talk about defense in a second but he his rebounds are gonna be made up of those and then those scrappy plays absolutely he's gonna get those scrappy boards but if he's our second or even third leading rebound on a on a team that has Derek Lively and Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young and Mark Mitchell then I think our bigs aren't succeeding in what they need to do down low quite honestly. Well, there's plenty of rebounds to be had. We had 52 of them, and yeah. I don't want to talk about the defense yeah. just yet. Um, <laughs> because we're going to spend an entire segment on it just because of the historical nature of it. But, you know, talking offensively, um, Jack, are you going to walk back any of the Okafor talk from Ryan? Or, or <laughs> did it just kind of reemphasize that he is he is now the Okafor 2.0? No way. If you were number 15 at Duke and your get previous it. school was in Chicago Let and know, you Jack. get buckets like that in the post. <laughs> get if after the shoe fits. If the shoe fits. Yeah, I agree. All right. So 7 to 21 from, <laughs> seven to 21 from 3. Um, I got to say, uh, the, the free throw shooting, 7 to 26. Um, Colin Filipowski, 7 of 8. That was very nice. Can we talk about Jeremy Roach missing free throws? Uh, is it too early? 
it's not too early. I, I don't. Know. He can't miss the free throws. You're the yeah. captain. You're the guy. And the thing is, like, when you you how he's shooting free throws now, in my opinion, is going to be how he's shooting free throws at the end of the season. You don't. That's not a thing that you you either do it or you don't. He's around seventy percent, right? For for his career, he's at seventy three percent. So he's not bad. It's not like he's in the sixties. It's not like he's in the fifties. But yes, as a senior captain or the junior captain and team leader and everything, you want him at the end of games to, to be reliable. When we go back to the NCAA tournament last year and some of the close games Duke had at the end of the season last year, Jeremy was shooting over 80% in those games. So maybe it's a focus thing. Like it always is with free throws. It, maybe when the lights come on, he's a little, little better, a little more focused, but I, I wouldn't worry about it is I guess my point. Rescue the cream. Um, give a shout out to your boy Christian Reeves. Uh, seven minutes. Uh, <laughs> nice to see uh, Jaden shoot get out there mm-hmm. and, and knock down a three. That was great. He came out firing, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he ended the game before firing, like that. that yeah. And he was in the in the pregame shoot around. He he talks. He and Shire talk a lot in every game pregame shoot around. There's always like a picture or something that somebody has up of the team shooting around. But you see shoot and Shire together a lot. I, I think John is fostering that relationship and I think he's fostering his ability and he's telling them when you come in shoot the ball get your confidence gain it I don't think Jaden shoots going to be a major component to this team this year but if these little bits if you can get him in certain games and just let him fire away against you know any brand of competition for him for the kid it's, it's only that's only going to help make him a better player overall and help Duke out in, in the end yeah there's no question about that I think right now though Let's talk about the defense. Uh, the defense in game one was fantastic. Defense in game two was fantastic. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, what our main defense looks like and, you know, how we think we can improve uh, with our pick and roll and a little bit down low. But anytime that you're holding teams to 28% shooting, 25% from uh, three, that, that I mean, am I wrong here? Did they not have a single uh, free throw in the first half? They had two in the entire game. That means that you're you're playing without fouling, um, especially fouling shooters. I mean that that's just fantastic uh, overall team defense. AC kind of break it down from an X's and O's perspective. Now that you've seen two full games mm-hmm. and an exhibition, what you're seeing that you love and where again you can see us to continue to tweak and to continue to improve mm-hmm. uh, as lively gets more comfortable, gets more minutes, and then again when Whitehead comes back. Number one, the first thing I noticed is. You know, John is he's a member of the Brotherhood. So we play man defense and we play it out you know, 25 feet away from the basket. So he's still keeping that going. One thing he's not doing, which is improving what was a problem for me the past few years with what Kay was doing, right? We're playing that far out. And I was begging, I was like, let's stop playing that far. If we're going to play man out and we're going to play 25 feet from the basket and then continue to hedge as well, then that's going to be a problem with the way people play basketball now, where you have four and five shooters on the floor. John is sinking. He's keeping his guys back. So we're not hedging anymore. Like our, our bigs aren't hedging at the top of the key. And that's, I, it, it's an interesting change. I can't wait to see it against better teams and see how it does. But the hedge is a thing that's in, in basketball. It's, it's starting to become a thing of the past and it's keeping our bigs back and it, it's allowing them to be in those rebounding spaces and things and affect shots when they come to the basket. I mean, teams are still only shooting like 38% from, from two against us. So it, it's just beautiful that we can defend and rebound to end possessions against teams, two teams that we're supposed to do that against, but it's, it's nice to see us doing it. Yeah. What have you seen defensively uh, specifically for our front court? Cause I know you brought that up in the last podcast. What have you seen from the front court that you think gives us the most opportunity to improve? I mean, it's still the interior defense, obviously lively back made it look a lot better. But like you know, the the defensive rebounding is there. The general, just like the guys, the big guys for the most part have been able to be out on the perimeter, with the exception of Young, and even he's been pretty good inside. But like, I think there's a lot of room to grow there for him, for Flip, even for Lively. I think the interior, just generally defending at the rim, team's gonna need to get a little better with. But I gotta say, I've been more impressed after watching 40 more minutes of Duke basketball than I was after the first game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to almost reinforce what we thought we had seen. Um, and to see even a couple of the tweaks that Shire made after game one was great to see because you can tell that he's really getting into the film room and and 
you know, because that was kind of like AC, that was kind of Tay's calling card, right? It was. Where nobody was going to outwork him when it came to watching film, oh. breaking down film, and he would shun his family uh, <laughs> to, to, to watch film. And if you're an assistant social case, you weren't going home either. Nope. Uh, if you wanted to get around, you weren't going home. Yeah. So it, to me, that to me shows that Shire is is doing those same things. So yeah, he's his own guy, but he's also taking the traits that he's learned. Absolutely, and there's there's still wrinkles to this defense that we haven't seen yet. Like Shire has he has his own in his pocket. He has his, he has a press in his pocket. At the very least, he has those things from K. But those things came at a time when John was on the staff. So you, I, I have to believe that John was had some input on how we play a little bit of defense or how we have played defense in the past with Duke and some of the changes that the team made to K's philosophy while he still kept his philosophy. So John is, he's creating his own identity with it. He's, he's younger. He knows the game a little better as a player than, than K would for this style of basketball that's happening. So I think the way John thinks about offense, I think he's going to be able to translate to that, that to the defensive end. And so far that's the case because it seems right now, at least without Derek, our defense is our strength, not our offense. Yeah, so as you bring up a good point, Jack, do you see us doing a little bit more pressing as the season goes on, especially in ACC season? Wouldn't shock me. That being said, I think it's more of a late game thing. You know, it's not going to be Jordan Goldwire going 94 feet in your face. It's it's going to be more of... I don't know, bro, okay. Jalen Blakes. Uh, I was going to say, it might it's be Jalen Blakes, bro. With a guy like Blakes, he has a lot of that intensity Dude. that we saw out of Jay Gold, but not to go I really don't recap. think... Sorry, Jack, not because you really... But no, Blake's you're good. We block. need to talk about that. That block and then feed up to, to Derek Lively or whatever, bro. The Lively slam. <laughs> oh, that, that was incredible. That, but that's old school, like, Duke going on a run. That is like, Duke basketball. That, yeah. Like, we inserted yeah. Jalen Blakes. But, yeah. And it, but and that's it the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, AC, is that, you know, those were patented Duke runs that mm-hmm. we would always see. And mm-hmm. it would always start from what? On defense. Whether defense. it was a steal, whether yep. it was a big block, uh, a, you know, a shot clock violation, like one of those things. And the next thing you know is, you know, the quote-unquote patented Duke run, mm-hmm. 13-0, 15-2. And especially what I loved the most, Jack, was to end the half. Like, that's what you love to see, especially as a coach. To go in, take an older momentum, get you guys energized, ready to go. Like that, that to me is awesome. Was it last year against Virginia Tech where we had that, that run? AJ hit a bunch of threes and Trevor took yeah. cap. Yep. That was, that was the best patented mm-hmm. Duke run last season. I can and, remember. And that's something that we've been missing the past few years, especially yeah. with the younger players is that ability to get after it on defense, focus down and, and then, create offense off the defense that's one thing young players you see in college don't necessarily do a lot of times unless it's just they're running out on a fast break they don't they don't make the strides to to create an offensive play off of a good defensive play that's something you learn as you get older and because we have somebody like Jacob Grandison on the perimeter playing defense he understands it Jalen Blakes understands it so so and Jeremy Roach clearly understands it so we we have a veteran squad in the backfield and in the backcourt man like (laughs) <laughs> I thought we weren't I, talking I, about I football the, for a few dude, years. I got the birds on my mind. The Eagles are getting ready to play tonight. Really hey, hard. let's go birds. Let's go. <laughs> but um, but no, man, just having those veterans in the backcourt. It's not a bunch of freshmen in the backcourt anymore. It is a junior. It is a sophomore. It is a super senior. Bro, that is classic. That's not Duke. even a super senior. That's a sixth year. Yeah, that is classic Duke, man, to have those old dogs who understand that type of play in the backfield getting that or backcourt. I did it again. Getting after it on defense, man. I mean, to be fair, the Eagles' backfield defensively is also pretty stacked. <laughs> but would I be crazy to say Mark Mitchell is also really good at doing that defense into offense thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's... I'd be crazy to say it? No, no, no. You're sorry, okay. you wouldn't be crazy. That, that is I what he's doing. Be. Okay, making sure, because he's he's been amazing with that. He's mm-hmm. best in transition. We've all agreed on that already this uh, this season. And his ability to create a play on defense, finish it on offense. I mean, the one thing is, you know, he's got to work on his vision on the break a little bit. But the defense to offense is there for him, too, which is really special for a player as young as he is. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that we talked about in the offseason with him is that we thought that that would be his mm. his kind of calling for getting out into the transition, being that versatile defender, making things happen. Between the length of him, Blake's, 
uh, even the Grand Series, like we have Ryan on the perimeter and Proctor too. Yeah, I mean, Tyrese Proctor obviously, still affects the game on, on defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have that athletic season. We have the length out there that that makes it so difficult to to you know pass around our defense. That you know, as they get more and more comfortable with John's system and what he's looking to do. I think the defense will be here to stay. I really do. It's going to be interesting to see what happens tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about the Kansas game. But to me, I, I think even if we're not hitting shots, even if offensively we're not clicking, mm-hmm. defense will be a calling card for the reason that you mentioned, AC, that a lot of these younger guys, a lot of the reasons we haven't had those Pat and the Duke runs in the past couple of years, they don't realize that it doesn't stop after you get one stop or mm-hmm. two stops. You have to keep like, – when, how many times have we had in the last few years – where we have a chance to put teams away mm-hmm. and we just don't do it. Yeah. And so I'd like to see that be a change. Absolutely. And how can Shire get that out of them? It, I think some, some of it is scheme and some of it is the, the age of the players. But if we talk about scheme, I, I brought up earlier, we're not hedging anymore, which means our guards aren't sunk down on the baseline anymore, which means they're up top. So we're getting in passing lanes again. We're getting those steals again that we weren't getting unless you had a Trey Jones on your team. But that's we're getting those we're getting those plays again and then we are running bro like there was a point yeah. in that upstate game where it was just like it was like watching just, like pong on steroids man it was just back and forth like we were just running bro and i loved it if if john's able to continue to progress in his defense then we're going to be in every single game even games that we have no business being in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're out there, you know, and I'm saying you're going to shoot two of 17 from three, but there will be games where we just can't, can't shoot. Are we playing at Virginia Tech this year? I don't have the schedule in front of me. I believe we have them home and away this year. Okay. So that's a game, obviously, as tradition, mm-hmm. where we'll shoot horribly because that's just the worst. Hassle's just the worst. <laughs> is it really is? We talk about Oh, it shut year. up, Tech fan. Ah, but it is. No, no, I played in that gym. It's a horrible gym. That's what, it's a terrible gym to shoot in. Even JJ Reddick hated shooting in that gym. No. <laughs> um, all right. So speaking of Virginia Tech, they are one of the teams that are undefeated in the ACC still, but the ACC has had. Uh, guys, we say uh, this is starting to become a running joke here, but mm-hmm. uh, poor Louisville. Um, there <laughs> and now for a state yeah. going to yeah. uh, shout out to Johnny Dawkins. Dawkins, uh, baby. And, and unfortunately, shout out to Jeff Cable, who just got blown out by 25 to uh, West Virginia. Uh, so, you know, let's talk yeah. about, Jack, I know you have strong feelings about the uh, top of the AP and coaches' polls here not deserving of being one to talk, talk to me. Get him, Jack. I mean, number one teams aren't losing in at any point in a game to – College of Charleston by double digits. No, no disrespect to the College of Charleston. Beautiful campus. It's a great school. I have some friends from high school that went there, but like, no. If you are playing a SoCon team that close, where it takes you until the last three minutes to pull away, you're not the best team in the country. If you are winning a game only because you're getting all the calls and the play broke down on a potential game winning shot with two Get seconds Jack. left. You should not be ranked number two. Get him, Jack. Like, did you watch? Michigan State was outmatching the hell yeah. out of Gonzaga. Yeah, Gonzaga and looks stuck. Th- there were like 10 phantom fouls called on State that cost them the game because yeah. Timmy's, both of Timmy's matchups fouled out. I'm just god awful calls. Omeka Okafor, shit all it's over. We didn't, it's not like we didn't warn you guys. Yep. It is. That's exactly. It's it's Tyler Hansbro. Yep. Like, it's sad, mm-hmm. but you know what? Is what it is. I think Houston's the best team in the country. I think Kentucky's probably a little bit behind them, but not much. Duke and Kansas right after, which is why I'm really excited for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan State should be ranked. Also, shout out to Temple for uh, shutting up all the local fans here in uh, the Philly area. <laughs> Get them. <laughs> because I cannot stand Nova fans since 2018. Uh-huh. But, you know, this is this is a weird year. It's early, and Gonzaga's going to get their ridiculously unfair share of 
high votes until the PK-85 in the next couple weeks. And even after that, probably, even if they lose, they'll still be top 10 all year. Uh, hopefully Duke is the reason that they are not top two all year. Yeah. But yeah, Carolina's not going to stay in the top 10, I don't think, once conference play hits. And even maybe Get with this PK-85. This Get is sweet. <laughs> It's not just me, AC, TK. You guys have said yeah. the same stuff. Hey, look, this is your floor. This is your floor now, Jeff. You, know, you don't need us to, you know, <laughs> keep eating. You know, take, the, take the shots when you're when you're on. You're on. You don't need us to, you know. All right, all right. I'll I'll just say my piece, which is I don't think that these two teams are the best two teams in the country. I think Houston's better. I think Kentucky's better. I think Duke and Kansas are both better. I think at that point it's kind of a toss up, but. I truly do not believe that the top two teams should be where they are. I think Gonzaga's always overrated, and I think Carolina's rating was inflated by their late season run, which was led by a guy who is no longer there. Yeah, I, that's you know kind of regurgitating exactly what we we talked about in the preseason yeah. and all that. And I, I I think the first two games probably showed that. Um, I think that you know he said it perfectly. I. AC, I agree with him. I, I think that Houston's the best team in the country, and I said it before. I think Kentucky is second. Yeah, no, we're going to see are. them. We're going to see them tomorrow night. And now, now we're talking about Michigan State after mm-hmm. what they did to Gonzaga, um, and they should have won that game. I thought Izzo's head was going to explode. Um, that but, last play call was terrible, and yeah. the fact that they didn't try to get a better shot even after mm-hmm. it broke down was even worse. Anybody, anybody else? Uh, AC. I mean, Arkansas. I, I still think it's going to be a really good team. Yep, Baylor is um, going to be good. Baylor's yeah. going to be good. Yeah. No. No. Do they have Chama Chachua back? I haven't even looked. Uh, I don't think he's come back in yet. Okay. But I, I just want to give a shout out to Grambling State, who got four, four top twenty-five votes in the AP, and I, I don't think that those are like token votes. I don't know if you saw them play Colorado. Colorado was a team that was a borderline top 25 team preseason in the Pac-12. And Shout out to them for beating Tennessee. Yep. yep. And yeah. then Grambling handled them after that Tennessee win. Handled them. And they won, like, Grambling State won, like, 82-74, bro. Like, they're playing really good. They're scrappy as hell, man. They're playing really good defense. They got a bunch of transfers from all over the place. They're, that's a, It's actually one of those teams that's at, at an HBCU that you could see. It would be the first time in history if they ever made it into the top 25, but – it it would be amazing to to watch that. They have a shot. Yeah. And what, what about your uh, San Diego State Aztecs? It's still rolling, bro. They had a nice win over BYU. I thought they'd win by more. And they were out by a little more, and they closed the gap. They have a dude, Matt Bradley, that I really liked in high school that dude briefly recruited and then stopped. That dude, he's an alpha dog type scorer, but he's only scoring like seven points a game for them. Like they, San Diego State is very balanced and very good, and they beat a good BYU team, man. They're just going to keep rolling. telling you final four for them. Uh, Jack, your UVA uh, Cavaliers um, moved up a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I, actually, I, let's talk yeah, about that. Wait, I just real quick, I want. Uh, uh, yeah. Let me be the first to do it because they did it for Virginia Tech in 07. Yep. I do want to, you know, I, I, on this podcast, I want to say we're thinking about, you know, UVA. Forget the rivalry and all that stuff. You know, these are humans. These are people, and it's a horribly sad situation. It it definitely is. One of my friends and teammates from high school uh, plays lacrosse there, and. I was worried sick about him mm-hmm. until I found out. Luckily, he wasn't near any of it. But mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, people had to go through that and find out that someone close to them was involved, it's just yeah. a terrible thing. And thoughts are with everyone impacted. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's no a terrible, doubt. terrible thing. Yeah, it's awful. You know, I went to JMU uh, 45 minutes up the street from. Mm-hmm. from Charlottesville, we got a buddy that still lives there. Um, so, yeah, absolutely awful thoughts and prayers to, to all of them. Uh, AC, I know that, you know, you had what you had to go through with Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you understand it. Um, trying to keep it to, to, you know, hoops if we can. Yeah, let's get back. Um, you know, UVA, uh, you know, they're 2-0 and now. Uh, a couple of easy wins. It's not like, you know, NC Central and Monmouth are two behemoths. But, you know, they did move up. You know, and and any time that uh, UVA can open up with seventy three and eighty nine points respectively, uh, is something changing with uh, Tony Bennett? The offense is playing faster, man. Like they they got a lot of possessions in that game, the the last game they played, and 
and it remains to be seen. I don't I don't know how it's going to sustain, but they're they're letting a freshman kind of lead the scoring with with Isaac McNeely, man. Like he's he's balling out, bro. They're scoring a lot of points. Good for them. I don't know if they'll keep it up, but we'll we'll see what Tony Bennett does because if he is adjusting to letting the talent do talent things, then good for them. And his system's really going to flourish. But if he continues to do that same old stuff where they can't get a shot off at the end of the clocks because they just have to go through their sets, then they're not they're not going to succeed. And I, I'm not really sure if he's just letting them get it out and get into like the swing of things mm-hmm. because I've seen was it last year they they put up a hundred early season sure. at some point in the last few years and yet they regressed to fifty to sixty points a game yeah. not long after. I think it's just early season letting the guys run and get mm-hmm. like mentally into game shape. I think he does this every year. He lets yeah. them. And I mean, it's resulted in some early season losses here and there because he does not know how to coach from behind and they never know how to play from behind with mm-hmm. the offense and defense they run. But I think this is just an early season thing that Tony Bennett always does. So kind of keeping it with the ACC and keeping it here with you, Jack, um, you know, you kind of mentioned the fact that the top two in the AP aren't correct, but do you feel the same way? The top two preseason UNC and UVA isn't correct either for the ACC? I mean, I thought that, like, off, off the jump, I thought it wasn't correct. I don't think UVA <laughs> is going to be a force. I don't know how good UNC is going to be, but I don't think they'll be top two. I think it's going to be Duke and Miami. I'm standing by that. Yeah, those are my two mm-hmm. teams, but Jet or uh, AC, I know you want to talk about Virginia Tech. Go ahead. Let's do it <laughs> real quick, baby. Like, <laughs> and it's look, it, like I'm not just correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not just being a homer. Like Mike Young's system is really it's flourishing. We got we, we lost Kevin Luma and we lost Storm Murphy from that team last year, and those are some key pieces to help get that system in place. But the guys they have now, Padula, uh, uh, Basili from from Wright State, that kid is balling. Like. They're they're a good squad, man. They they are going to be a force to be reckoned with, and they're not going to start out like they did last year, under five hundred going into January, and then having to claw their way out. Like this team is established. Is there anything that you need to worry about with Florida State? Because I actually thought Florida State would be a kind of a sleeper. Oh, <laughs> dude, can what I? Can I? Can I? Because I was the one who was like, Florida State's going to be top three and. This happened last year, too. The same thing happened last year. They lost some stupid games last year. Now you get them starting out 0-2 against Stetson and UCF, two teams they should be burying with their talent level. Ham will figure it out. Leonard Hamilton is a good coach, but this is it's reminiscent of his Wizards years where, like, they were just – they were kind of good, then they just started dropping games. It's like Ham it's, – it's like almost like he has trouble focusing through the season. And I also say that they kind of got screwed already by injuries. That guy who mm-hmm. got suspended for the whole year. Yeah. They have like six or seven guys at this point. They, they've they been really just put in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. The depth was supposed to be the strong point. They barely have anyone now that's on scholarships. So I, I understand why they're in the spot they're in. That being said, they still should have at least beat Stetson. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think I would think so. Um the the ACC uh, and I, I do you know is there any chance that Louisville wins a game this year? <laughs> they'll win one, maybe they'll, two. They'll beat Boston College, bro. They'll beat Kentucky. <laughs> Boston College is undefeated. They're two and zero. God, did you see? Did you watch that? Uh, was no, I did not watch though? the Boston College game. No, Radford. I want Radford you to think about what you just asked. All right, I mean, Dude, I mean, no, it's Halloween no, season, man. Every game. I'm, is I'm all sorry, I didn't watch. I, mean, the I was Boston watching Philly Big Five. Radford game. <laughs> I was watching but, Philly Big Five. I'm not watching Radford ah, or Boston look, I, College. I'm I'm still right. a Brian Antoine fan, so that's why I'm watching Radford games. All right, I spent oh, some, I forgot I, he transferred yeah. to Radford. Yeah. Holy shit! Yep, and, and I, I spent a little time in Radford too in college. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I gotta watch. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, so oh, the, the, the ACC uh, doing what it normally does. I'm uh, losing a couple of stupid ones early, but I, I think the top of the, the conference and, and even the middle part is, is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And we'll see more than three teams uh, ranked you know, by the time the turn of the year comes around. Kind of switching gears a little bit because tomorrow night, we reference it multiple times, we play Kansas in the Champions Classic. This is, to me, you know, it's been around since 2011, but to me, this is really the 10th year anniversary because 
I, I don't count what happened mm-hmm. um, when there was no fans in, in the stands. So, um, you know, I think that uh, this is really it. Uh, but we want to talk about our favorite moments from the Champions Classic, um, you know, over the over the years. And not all of them are, are, are Ws, believe it or not. Um, but I, I kind of want to start out with the very first one. I happened to be there in MSG November 5th, 2011. Uh, Duke beat Michigan State 74 to 69. And the beauty about that part, not just because your boy was there, <laughs> was uh, Coach K setting the all-time wins record, um, taking it from his mentor, uh, Bobby Knight, who was there calling the game, had a beautiful embrace afterwards. I couldn't tell you a whole lot about the actual game itself. Um, I just know that that moment is why everybody was there. The place was absolutely packed. Um, and it's just it was such a great moment for not only him, but for the program. Yeah, I could I could tell you Andre Dawkins put up twenty six in that game. <laughs> yes, sir, he did. <laughs> yes, and I sir, can no, also awesome. I can also tell you TK it was the fifteenth, not the fifth. Did I not say the fifteenth? You said the fifth. Oh, I meant the fifteenth. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> sitting here reading it. But it was probably just a, But anyway, that's why you're keeping me honest, Jack. I appreciate that. That's what he does, it. I was like, that boy. Yeah. <laughs> that was the. Uh... That was awesome review. That was I remember watching that on TV. My uh my family was able to go, but I had school the next morning, so mm-hmm. you know. You know how it is. <laughs> That's how it goes, man. That's how it goes. Um, so you know, obviously that was that was a big one. AC and I have been at MSG for a couple other big games, mm-hmm. um, Champions Classic and included. But AC, what what come what comes to mind uh, for you? A couple games that you want to talk about. The first one I want to highlight is kind of in in a season that was just so special. One of kind of one of the lost games in that that season was the the 2014 2015 Champions Classic when we won the title that year with with John Tyus. The game against Michigan State. Michigan State was, if I, if I am remembering correctly, I think they were favored in that game going into it, and it was but we were the higher ranked team, and it was like, what is this? And Duke just dominated on defense from the tip, and it, and it was Justice Winslow, kind of what we're talking about with Mark Mitchell this season. Justice Winslow was, it, it was him getting rebounds or getting steals and just taking off. Like it was almost like watching John Wall, man. He'd get a he'd get a defensive rebound and just sprint down the floor as hard as he could. And that was the, kind of the first time that season you had seen Justice do what, like, oh my god, like this, <laughs> like this is what this dude's gonna do. Like we're gonna be trouble, man. But and then of course, like Ja was just I think he was like eight for ten or something like that. And he was just normal Ja, just post moves, destroying anybody that like it was a uh, Matt the redhead, Matt Costello, just crushing oh, that dude. Like and, and they did all they did all the same Izzo stuff, man. It was like the week the leading up to the game, it was the they're practicing in football pads and Michigan State's tougher and these young freshmen aren't gonna be able to physically hang with these old dogs. And we just we dominated them physically. We just crushed them, man. It was great in eighty-one, seventy-one. I mean, outside of a meal, outside of a meal, all of the starters put up fifteen plus in that game. Yep. And nobody put up twenty. Yeah, very. But bad. yeah, the other the other thing about that Champions Classic, three of the four teams went to the Final Four that year. Yeah, like that. I mean, that's the, true. This this whole thing was insane. But that was kind of like the coming out party for those guys because uh-huh. you know. Everybody had Kentucky unanimous number one um, with the talent that they had. And, and quite frankly, when you think about the talent that they had with Booker and Towns and all those guys, um, how they lost is beyond me, but that guy they did. Um, <laughs> I think we would have beat them. Yeah. I, th- I think we would have too, actually. That being said, um, Kansas scored 40 well. points that year. Kansas right. scored 40 <laughs> against Kentucky that year. It was 72 to 40. Uh-huh. And I don't, I don't know if we would have won that game, but I believe – when in we the went final back four. in the final four, also in Indianapolis, um, I thought we were going to win that game if we had played them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, no question. I think Duke was going to win that game. Um, so, Jack, what do you have uh, for your first game? So we'll go back to uh, November 14th. Today is the fifth anniversary of this game in 2017. Number one versus number two, Duke, Michigan State. The Bagley, Miles Bridges, uh Wendell Carter versus what was it Ward? I forget his name. That you know that big dude that was checking Bagley and yeah. Carter and just destroying them early. <laughs> he was defensively like he was locking Marvin down, which yeah. shocked me because we hadn't seen that at all at that point. Javin going up, Javin chest pat. My bad, yeah. no disrespect to you, Javin, because <laughs> he poked Marvin in the eye. He was out the rest of the game, and Grayson <laughs> said, "Oh, okay." 
I'm going to drop 37 points. 11 for 20 shooting, 7 of 11 from 3. Not to mention, Trevon Duvall in that game had 17 points, 10 assists, and 6 steals. That was yeah. one of his better games. Yeah. That that game, I just remember going in being like, okay, we might lose. Doesn't mean anything. It's early. And then Grayson just did Grayson things, and Miles Bridges, like always, got just destroyed by Duke. He really never had a good game against Duke. And he right played now. he played Duke two or three times. Uh-huh. Watch, watching Grayson go off in the United Center was so was so perfect. Because of all the things that he had gone through yeah. to that point, like I yeah. was so happy for him. And it was and, and it, it was true. Like when when you know Bagley goes out, we needed somebody, and it was all it was the, the entire second half was the Grayson Allen show. Mm-hmm. I just remember him uh, in transition. He got an open three. He dribbled, just adjusted the ball, and hit it. And I just remember right then and there. I think that was thirty-five points, or it might have been thirty-seven. I knew that game was over. He was he was up though. That was the Grayson Allen show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was so great. Uh, Jack, we'll keep it with you. What's the second game you want to talk about? Oh, I mean, everyone's going to remember this one. It's last year against Kentucky. <laughs> yes, sir. A seventy-nine, seventy-one win, number nine versus number ten. <laughs> Bro, we were we were all in all the three building, of us right? were there. <laughs> we were all. <laughs> oh, I'm aware of that. <laughs> yes, I do remember <laughs> the game. I also remember calling Jason Garrett, Sean Garrett, over and over again. Oh my god. <laughs> Danny Jones also in the building. Yes, sir. I got to meet him. That was pretty cool. Yes, sir. Um, but you know the the freshmen stole the show in that game. Paulo twenty two points, seven rebounds, and two steals. Trevor shot ten of eighteen, had twenty five points and three steals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendell had that monster dunk. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. Yeah. He, just, he drove in from the uh, from the <laughs> wing and just punched it. I was sitting right behind that hoop in the lower level, probably like fifteen rows up. Mm-hmm. And that was just crazy to see from that angle. That that game was crazy. I I drove home from college to meet my family so we'd go to the game. Yes, sir. Left at home and then drove back to school the next day and was you almost know. late to class. <laughs> totally that worth was it, though, so dude. beyond worth it. Totally worth it. Like that. that so Trevor, beyond worth it. Like it, that boosted Trevor's stock so much, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably it put him into the lottery that, on that. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say, like, that's pretty much what propelled him for the rest of the season to be like, okay, yeah. well, he's he's gone. That game literally might have been the thing that ended up making him leave. You know what I mean? That's what I'm hey, saying. I think he ended up back in the garden, and you know, twenty five points per game in the garden before <laughs> turning pro was pretty good. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that was that was an awesome game to be at. Obviously, um, AC. What else you got? This one's a loss, man, and it's not a lot of times I like rewatching a loss or anything else. But the 2013 game against Kansas. This is a theme here because we we play Kansas and uh, whatever with the record on that. But that was the Jabari game, man, where Jabari Parker was just going. <laughs> absolutely insane inside outside three level score everything that you heard about Jabari and what he could do he was doing to the tune of 27 points nine boards and he was crushing Kansas man like they were, it ended up fouling out in that game and that's you know one of the reasons we lost that game but we didn't have him towards the end but what a game and, and everybody else stepped. that's the one thing I liked about it. everybody else stepped up Emil Jefferson had 17 a game he was our second lead scorer like he balled out uh Quinn played that he he that he was really being our point guard the way we needed Quinn to be our point guard. And it's just his season took that inconsistent turn, man. Yeah. Rodney Hood didn't have the world's greatest game, but we survived it because she Suleiman off the bench was balling out, man. Like we, we, we had six. That was the problem with that team. We had six that could play and down the stretch, Kansas outlasted us. Yeah. I, th- I thought we just kind of, well, I mean, especially Jabari, we just mm-hmm. kind of ran out of gas a little bit at the end, yeah. but you know, but I remember thinking going nuts. Yeah. individual performances, like, that game and that UVA game that Jabari had that season, it was just like this dude, this dude is this is an all we're watching NBA All Star on the court with college kids. That's what Should've it felt been. like. Should have been. Mm-hmm. So kind of finishing that the... game. Go ahead. That game, I remember just being blown away by Wiggins and Embiid yeah. on the other side. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, as a Sixers fan. Shout out to Joel for dropping fifty nine last night, but <laughs> I just remember you got dunked on by AJ Griffin. That's uh, true. I know. Oh, I was watching that game too. 
<laughs> I mean, he had 42 points. Yeah. So, yeah, look, that right. was a great dunk by AJ. Yes, it was. But my Sixers still won. <laughs> anyway, um, I remember just I remember seeing that, and I wasn't even a big NBA fan at the time, and I. I remember saying that those guys are going to be the top three picks in the draft. And I was, I was right. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Jabari did not go one and he did not fall to my six. I guess, fortunately in hindsight, but those three guys were the three best players in college basketball. Yeah. In my opinion, that season. Yeah. I was going to give a shout out from that game. Can we just give a shout out to old man Perry Ellis who, who played? Perry, with, is he uh, still there? He I'm played playing. in 1991. Come on, <laughs> he played for Roy <laughs> Williams. He played for James Naismith. He was a he was an assistant coach in 2020. Yeah, he's he's, he's around. He right? was literally still on their bench, and that's not a joke. <laughs> but I was say what Perry Ellis and Jerry McNamara. Those are guys that not only did they play for 37 years, but they're yeah. still there. I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't get it. Yeah. They, Jordan Bohannon. <laughs> Bohannon too, bro. Oh my goodness. All right, so let's wrap it's this like one up. like there's always a Plumlee at Duke. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. We'll t- and we'll keep taking them if they have them. Um, <laughs> all right, so we'll, we'll wrap this one up. No other uh, exciting games. Oh, wait a minute. I do have one. Uh, November 6th, 2018. Yeah. And it was November 6th, right, Jack? I think so. Okay, it, was, it, was. it was. It was November 6th. It was actually the first ever uh, five-point play podcast recap uh, preview, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it was It was an interesting mm-hmm. game. Number four, Duke. Massive underdog to the uh, vaulted uh, number two Kentucky, and it was a, it was a nail biter. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be the first to admit it was a nail biter, but then they tipped off, and Duke <laughs> wins one hundred and eighteen to eighty four. Uh, talk about the three best players. I mean, Zion, RJ, Pam. Just it it was it was not. I I don't think I've ever been. I don't know. Surprise is the right word, mm-hmm. but like just blown away. Like I didn't see that coming. The entire basketball shocked. world was shocked. Like Tate Tate Frazier and um what's his name the guy who does a podcast with him that NCAA Hoops podcast they do they hate Duke they're UNC fans Ohio State fans whatever they hate Duke and they have an entire podcast dedicated to that game and Duke Louisville game from that season like but that game was just amazing like the world was put on notice so it was like you started getting that talk about could this Duke team beat the worst team in the NBA type stuff it was yeah like, bro <laughs> the answer is no they could not right, and right. I was saying that at the time that pissed me off that talk but <laughs> it, it, it was it was really insane though to see the the flip that happened there you know so we come in as, we come in as underdogs in that game right and then two, we two, put two, on such dogs, a beatdown yeah. that we are now not only putting the college basketball world on notice, but like the world of sports on notice mm-hmm. that this team is the it's the Beatles. They have Zion Kim at this point. Like it was just it I've never seen a one eighty like that in my entire life. The the block that Zion had in mm-hmm. the second half into the left to the ridiculous bounce pass to RJ for the N one. Yeah. And that was just one of many plays in that game that were just absurd to kind of foreshadow what was to come the rest of that season. Absolutely. Let me let me talk about that game a little bit because yeah, I remember yeah. going in, I remember sitting down and thinking, we might not win this game. Like, we're going Everybody. up against... I was legitimately scared mm-hmm. that Duke was going to start 0-1 for the first time since Jay Williams was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And sitting there thinking and then suddenly at the first tv timeout it's 20 to 8 <laughs> i remember zion made his first basket which was a three like was nothing a three. made yeah. sense in that game <laughs> it was, it was a wide open three, and i remember them saying you know he's not just a dunker folks yep uh you yeah, know, like I, I knew going in he's got yeah. a little bit of a handle because he used to be a point guard but that game just immediately i'm like okay zion is the best player i like college basketball's ever seen. <laughs> RJ's like going to be a top pick. Cam can shoot the crap out of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like Marquise was being good. Jack White was balling out. Jack White, oh, that Jack White, like Gosh. until that Syracuse game, that stretch was amazing. Yeah. Ugh. And then I just remember just I was blown away by the end of that game. Kentucky uh, Tyler Hero out here saying, still to this day, says Kentucky would have won a rematch, which is yeah. just uh, false. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Then again, Tyler Hero is an idiot, and everyone knows that. There so. you go. Just keep running those, uh, you know, Instagram. Just teach Jack Harlow how to fix his jumper, and, and yeah. we're good. That's all you need to do with this. There point. you just, go. Just and and just and watching that. Colin Parker's face during that entire game was priceless. Stunned. He was just, Dude, he sat there. He oh, my coaching. favorite. That was that was my favorite thing about that game was just watching this guy shell shocked. <laughs> it was just like okay, not only did I get out recruited, but now I'm seeing the fruits of that labor on the mm-hmm. other side. Like that was just that was the greatest thing I've ever watched. Yeah, and all three of those guys outside of Trey Zion, RJ, Camp, all three of them. It was Duke and Kentucky. And Kentucky fans and a couple were in the, yeah, Kentucky fans during the offseason were all saying that we're gonna get all three of these guys. And not only did they got not they didn't get one of them. They got none of them. They yeah. all went to Duke. Yeah. And you have to play so, them in the first game of the year. Yep. Was it and was it just Was it Cam that was just Duke and Kentucky? Because I remember RJ was also thinking about Oregon. Zion was looking at yeah. Carolina and yep. Clemson. And Clemson, yep. So and Cam Clemson, was yeah. just Duke and Kentucky? Yeah, and Carolina. Nova. He yep. was looking at Nova. Nova, yep. That was it. That was it. Just the talent level. It was like, bro, this is what? And we, we like, our, on our very, that first podcast, we did a preview for this game. That was our very first podcast. And we were talking about it. Like, that Duke team had an identity because you knew you had RJ, you knew you had Zion. That was the heart and soul of that team. That Kentucky team didn't have an identity at the time. They were a hodgepodge of new guys that Calipari Wait, doesn't know how to coach. You're telling me that a grad transfer from Stanford <laughs> And Tyler Hero and Keldon Johnson and hey, and PJ Washington is an identity. Kel like was a beast, but yes, uh, you yeah, are correct. I forgot that's your guy, right? Yeah, but no, you're correct, Jack. You are correct. Yes, they do not have an identity, and and that was the thing. Everyone was like, "This team is so much older than Duke. They're battle tested." The same. The, the Congrats! You got a grad transfer and a <laughs> sophomore. Congrats! Get him. That made no sense. Yeah, that was actually like, a big thing. Right? Didn't we recruit him as well? Who's that? Uh, who? Travis? Reed Travis? Yeah, Reed Travis. Reed yeah. Travis. We recruited him. We recruited Quade Green, who was their point guard at the time. He had just transferred from uh, Washington. Yeah, no, man. he had just transferred out to Washington at that point. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. He's you're a right. Philly kid. I remember following right. him heavy. They had the only guys mm-hmm. back. I think were Washington and Richards, mm-hmm. and Richards. Just Marquise destroyed Nick Richards yeah. and Reed Travis. Yeah, that was the and... Marquise show, like where, like, man, we just had that Marquise the whole, uh-huh. like, his whole career. But really, that whole no, season. the Auburn game that was peak Marquise. That was awesome. Yeah, God, the alley oop, the the Marquise running down the court with the the ton wagon. Like, come on, that's the guy we needed. Love Marquise. Damn it. All right, so that with the Champions Classic, I'll tell you what. Uh, obviously, that game was amazing, but you know. Right now, as the, the records stand, Duke is leading the Champions Classic with a record of seven and four, and followed by them is Kansas in six and five, who we play. So, if we are somehow to lose that game uh, against Kansas, we would be tied both at seven and five. Kentucky's at five and six, and Michigan State's at four and seven because they stink. Um, but we will be rooting for the Spartans. Wait, we'll you're t- you're telling me, you're telling me that a team that's won one championship this century. <laughs> In the Champions Classic has a losing record. <laughs> That's what I'm th- and we're also rooting for them tomorrow. So, yeah. Well, uh, obviously, but, but like... <laughs> but, but yes, Jack, you're correct. You get my point. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yes, we play uh, Kansas tomorrow night. They're obviously 2-0 and as well. Uh, a couple easy wins for them against Omaha and North Dakota State. Um, you know, no Bill Self in this game to, to, to coach him off and... and, and Complain to the refs after every call. Um, I would have liked to see Bill Sill versus John Shire quite frankly. Red face, uh, man. But, I'm okay with know. waiting a few years to see that, though. Honestly, I kind of I I just have that much confidence in John Shire. But mm-hmm. oh, I'm incredibly kinda... confident in John. I just like making the dad jokes about a self-imposed penalty. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So 9:30 tomorrow night, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um. AC kind of break down uh, Kansas and, you know, what we should expect from them. They are, that's a perimeter heavy team, man. Like they don't play, they don't play down low. They, they spread you out. They get switches and they, they want the ball either in Jalen Wilson's hands or Grady Dick's hands right now. That's the, that's their guys. That's, that's who they want shooting shots. 
that's where they went with the ball, man. And and that's where they're going with it. And it, it's it's a type of play and a type type of style that I think this te- this Duke team can hang with. Preseason, I was looking at this as one of our losses just because I didn't know early on with some of the injuries and stuff we had how we were going to look. But the way that we've looked, there's no reason to think that we can't hang with them on the perimeter and also can't use our size to an advantage because that's where our advantage is going to be. It's on the interior getting Jalen Wilson in foul trouble, getting into their bench where you have to get their post players that's not a part of the strength of this team. Get those guys on the floor. Get those guards off the floor. They have that transfer from Texas Tech, Kevin McCullough. He played us last year in that game that we were supposed to lose because Texas Tech's defense was so great. So now they have McCullough doing the same stuff he did there, bumping bodies and everything else. So he's a tough player to deal with. But I think the way we play the game, the ball rotation, the way we attack, off the weak side that's gonna that's gonna take away that advantage that someone like McCullough offers I, I look at this really as a game that Duke can lead from the beginning and throughout and maybe Kansas makes a little bit of a run to get back in the game but I just see us leading throughout this game well, starting it out who do you see John you know matching up Wilson and Grady Dick with I think Grady Dick can be handled with somebody like Jeremy Roach to start, or he can be handled with even Grandison. But what's going to happen with Dick is they're going to run him off screens and switches to get him open for a shot. That's exactly what they do. They they want him to shoot, and they want to get him open, and they're going to do everything they can to make that happen. But the versatility we have on the perimeter, and you talked about it earlier in the defensive segment, the length that this team offers is going to really bother him. Last game, he played kind of a lengthy team in Omaha. Omaha was terrible, but they're, 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 or excuse me, North Dakota State was his last game they played lengthy type of team on the uh, on the perimeter on defense he shot one for four from three but he still got his points on the interior on drives and and some mid-range jumpers but we we have to be able to handle the switch and i think we will i think we have the type of team that can handle that jack how do you see this game playing out because i know the first two games you were uh, reluctant to give a prediction so we're going to put you on the spot here to give a prediction first 79 72 duke yeah Wow, that real quick That's there. Okay, um, I think that this is going to be a tough one for us to win. Uh, I'm going to predict our first loss of the John Shire era. Uh, I am. Uh, nah, I Shire can't lose. It's impossible. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict it, and I think uh, we lose this game, seventy four to sixty eight. That is, uh, I hope I'm wrong. I'm I'm very uh, usually when I when I predict this to lose, I usually am wrong. So that's a good thing for our <laughs> listeners. Uh, and you see what he got for us. They're not good enough defensively to stop us, which is we're not a, we're not the greatest offensive team on the planet, and they don't have anything defensively as a whole that's going to stop us from doing what we want to do on offense. Mark Mitchell is going to be key in this game, the way he runs the floor. I like us to win this game, but like I said preseason, I thought we might lose it looking at it, but the way guys are playing, especially the way Mark Mitchell is playing right now, give me 76-69 Duke. Also, really quick. I want to say Mark Mitchell and Grady Dick were high school teammates. I yeah. wouldn't be shocked to see them matched up. And most importantly, AC, I just realized you said Jeremy on Grady Dick. That's a six inch height difference. It is, but he's, dude, Jeremy has been able to play those guys the past few years. I know. But is he going to be able to play Grady Dick off the drive and yeah. off a screen? Absolutely. In the paint. That's the tough thing. He, he'll be just fine. I, I see a lot of Grandison and Mitchell, I think, on Grady Dick. I think so. I think so, but I think you start if you start Jeremy on him and they run their switch plays, you're gonna switch onto a Grandison. You're gonna switch onto a Mitchell. I think John's okay. gonna play that chess match. Uh, I have a question for you two. Do you think Proctor starts? I thought about that earlier today. I honestly got I did. I I'm I'm not sure. I think that he does just because I I mm-hmm. see Shire using him as a starter to continue to instill confidence. Um but I think Hay would probably start greatest in here mm-hmm. and let Proctor kind of start from the bench and kind of let, let the game let, be able to watch it from the bench and mm-hmm. let it come to him. I, I'm 50-50. I think, John, to my head, I think he does start. I'm going to say, I, I, I'm going to say, especially because of the Grady Dick matchup, I think I think Jack's on to something, man. I think you might see a Jeremy Grandison, Mitchell, Flip, and Lively start the lineup. Well, we'll see. And somehow we I think got just because through- of that, it's possible. Mm-hmm. So somehow we got through the entire Kansas uh, re, uh, preview, talking about Grady Dick without a pause. Entire <laughs> an entire episode without a pause. Uh, it's a pause-free segment in our one hundred one hundredth episode of the Five Point Play Podcast. Thank you for listening, and let's go Duke. Thank you guys. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Hey guys, 
Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram. Five Point Play Podcast. Let's code do.